When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Wondering what's next in your business or personal life? Welcome to Success to Significance, Life After Breaking Through Glass Ceilings, a podcast dedicated to helping you with all of life's challenges, discoveries, and opportunities. Whether you're seeking a new career, retirement, or simply wanting to make an impact in your community or the world, join Jen Duplessis and her guests as they explore how to start, what to do when you're in the thick of a change or growth, and how to leave a mark in this world after breaking through your next achievement. You are moments away from the aha you've been seeking. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Success to Significance, Life After Breaking Through Glass Ceilings. And my next guest is a powerhouse. She's such an iconic woman leader in the world. And I'll tell you, she's broken through more glass ceilings than any of us possibly could probably think about. Right, Sharon? And it's, I'm so delighted because I've really wanted this interview for the last couple of years, as I was just telling her in the, uh, in the green room, but I want to thank you all for listening in and taking time out of your day to listen to what we have to share and the wisdom that we're about ready to embark on all of you. So let me take this opportunity to introduce my guest. Her name is Sharon Lecter, and she is internationally recognized as a financial literacy expert, keynote speaker, and business mentor. She is a New York Times bestselling author, successful entrepreneur, philanthropist, and has enjoyed a 35-year career as a licensed CPA. She has advised two U.S. presidents on the topic of financial literacy, and she's most well-known, I imagine, but I think things are changing, as the co-author of the international best-selling book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, um, and 14 other books in the Rich Dad series. And I, she's got some stories about the game that we probably want to talk about. In 2008, when the economy crashed, she was asked by the Napoleon Hill Foundation to re-energize the teachings of Napoleon Hill. Her best-selling books with the foundation include three feet from gold, which is absolutely fantastic. Outwitting the devil, which I have with me here today, because I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Um, Outwitting the devil and think and grow rich for women and success in something greater. She is also featured in the movie, think and grow rich, the legacy on the national and on the national television series, the world's greatest motivators. Sharon's, Sharon's newest newest title called Exit Rich, which I have, I have two of those books actually, supports entrepreneurs in building value and scalability in their businesses so that they can be in a position of the greatest potential when they are ready to exit. She, and then I'm going to go off script now. So Sharon, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Jen. I'm so delighted to be with you. Thank you so much. And I've, I've had the wonderful privilege of being on your ranch, your beautiful ranch in uh, Arizona. I don't even know where I was in Arizona, but I know we were up north. It wasn't as hot, which is nice. And uh, just, you know, being able to spend the weekend with you. And it was just, uh, you know, wonderful experience, wonderful women that we were with as well. And you know, I, I know that's a memory that I will never, ever forget. And so I just thank you and Michael for, you know, um, 
<laughs> you and Michael for for uh, you know hosting us. I'm giggling because I re was remembering when I was letting things go and I could not get my champagne bottle open. The savoring, yeah, yeah, it took forever, <laughs> it took forever, but I did it. I finally did it. Perseverance, so, that's right. Yes, yeah, resilience and perseverance. Yeah, definitely it is. And uh, you know, so I want to talk about a couple things. Um, you know as a woman and in, you know, this podcast is not for women um, just because it's called life after breaking through glass ceilings. It's for every one of us because we lose weight. We, you know, have divorce. We have all these things that go on in our lives and we have business, you know, challenges as well. And we're always breaking through glass ceilings. And of course, as soon as we broken through that becomes our, our, uh, our floor. And then we've got another ceiling to break through, right? And all these share with us, if you don't mind, you know, some of the ceilings that you've broken through in your career and in your life that really are the most prominent for you, because you probably have a lot, um, but things that, that you'd like to share with this group and saying, Hey, look, you can do it too. Well, <clears throat> thank you. Yes. I've certainly encountered a lot of barriers, but I think one of it is, is just understanding <clears throat> excuse me, my voice is gone, is really understanding that you can do anything you want. I was raised by parents who did not say as a girl, I couldn't do certain things. And I'm old enough that it was before the idea of the glass ceiling. It was before the idea of sexual discrimination. I just knew that if I wanted to succeed, I had to work a little harder. Mm -hmm. And so I was really the only woman in, in most of my accounting classes. I was only the fourth woman ever hired in public accounting by the firm I joined in the Southeast United States. So I was always having to work harder to succeed at the same level. And I just accepted that as part of the, the desire to, to be able to get ahead. I did not say I'm a victim. And that's one of the issues. I think we have to put our stake in the ground and say, this is what we want to achieve. And so as part of that, I just, my entire life has been of, of taking that path less traveled. You know, when I left public accounting, I had an opportunity. I was still very successful in my field. And I had this opportunity and I did the whole pros and cons because I couldn't figure out what which way to go. And my hand took off and wrote across the top of the page, why not? And so that's really still my mantra today. Why not do something different? Why not take that path less traveled? Why not accept the challenge? Tell me I can't do something, watch me. All right, it becomes a challenge. And so um, those glass ceilings in my life have just been opportunities. I don't see them as barriers, but turning them into opportunities. I think that's certain. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that's very, very powerful, especially in today's economy. Um, and not, I shouldn't say economy, but in today's world, you know, there are so many women with the Me Too movement. And I, and I know I'm a disruptor when I say this, you know, I'm very sensitive to anyone who's had any sexual discrimination. I, I, I'm very sensitive to that. But, um, you know, I, I feel the same way in my career, you know, in the mortgage lending business, you're in a very, ma ma were, you know, as a CPA in a very masculine business. I was in a very masculine business. Heck, I was an architect. That was my degree, architecture and engineering. And I was the only woman in the class, right? And so when you work really hard over decades to um, 
I don't want to say prove yourself, but but when you're working really hard over, over decades to be a victor. To, to succeed in that environment. Yeah. 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 To be that victor and not that victim. When people come, when younger women are coming in and saying, well, just because I'm a woman, you need to give me this. Just because I'm a woman, you need to give me that. I don't feel that they're going to be as strong in the later years as perhaps you are, you know, now in your, in your tenure, you know, you're much, much more stronger and resilient. Well, what we've been through builds resilience yeah, and confidence. Yeah. I mean, that's the biggest thing is, you know, I tell people now with their kids, allow your children to fail because that gives them the ability to develop that backbone and, and understand that they can survive and they can persevere and they can succeed. And that's something, you know, and women for many years, when I started my career, were not nice to other women. Mm-mm. You know, oh. so today I see a tremendous difference in women helping other women coming up behind them. And that's so important, but it's something that is, you know, from a standpoint of, of glass ceilings, um, most, a, a lot of times we construct our own glass ceilings. Yes. You know, we make excuses. We, we lay blame to someone else or somebody else standing in our way, you know, and just set it aside and say, this is what I want. Go get it. You have the opportunity to accomplish anything you want to. Yeah. You know, I was so excited to hear you say something that you said. I love the why not. You've talked about that before. I've heard you many times talk about that. I've never heard you say, tell me I can't. Why not? And watch what I can do. Because my television show is called Tell Me I Can't. Mm-hmm. My book is called Tell Me I Can't <laughs> for the very same reason. And I had no idea that that was even in your vernacular. Um, I, I, it's just, it's intuitive. I, I just love it. I love that, that you brought that up because, uh, yeah, that, that's just one of those things where like, get out of my way. Don't tell me I can't get out of my way. So as you think about your career, cause we're, you know, we're started to talk about, you know, those trials and tribulations that you had over, you know, your career. When you look back on that, what are you most proud of? Well, I think I'm most proud of the fact that I, grew up in an environment that gave me such an incredible education that I didn't realize how valuable it was until I got out into the real world. Mm-hmm. Understanding the essence of money, understanding the essence of buying, building, creating assets. And that gave me a built-in passion when I realized the rest of the world didn't have that same education and that I felt the responsibility to share that. Now, in doing that, I hit a lot of obstacles, right? You know, a public education system didn't want to really open the door to that. Um, And I think it's really important when you have that passion that it fuels you and it helps you build that confidence. And so when I look at the things that I've accomplished, I look back and I go, I have such gratitude to the fact that I was given the ability to share information that could help people improve their financial lives. And so... When, what I'm most proud of is every day when I get a phone call or an email or a text that says I'm out of debt, or yeah. I, you know, I, I found the 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 courage to keep going. You know, I read this book or this book of yours. I took your money mastery program, and now you know I have a client that in three months she got out of seventy thousand dollars worth of bad debt. Wow, that's that's what feeds me. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I love that, um, you know, one of the things that, that uh, you're talking about here is right. A little bit of a purpose-driven life, right. Is finding what that purpose is and and without going too deep into that, because I know there's some other things I want to talk to you about more um, financial freedom. I want to kind of push that into financial freedom when 
people talk about financial freedom being financially free. One of the things that I love about the way that you explain this really is, is wonderful because so many people think that financial freedom means I have to make millions and millions and millions of dollars and I have to work, 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 work for the rest of my life. And that is not true financial freedom. So when we talk about purpose, we need to have the right purpose in mind, right? The, the right goal to achieve that financial freedom. Could you share a little bit about financial freedom and the fact that assets are sexy? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> my, my definition of financial freedom is you're financially free when the income from your assets exceeds your monthly expenses. It does not have to be millions of dollars. Right. It is very important because you could have $100,000 worth of expenses every year and you could have several apartment complexes that generate 150000 in net revenue to you. You're financially free. Yeah. All right. So it doesn't have to be millions of dollars. And that's what people, you know, they just have this idea that they ha the mountain is so tall. It's yeah. not, you know, one step at a time. There's a stairway on that mountain that helps you achieve. And every step you take gives you the confidence to take the next step. And so it's very important to be realistic about where you are financially and then chart that course and take those small steps. So many times we're just so blinded by the end goal that we, it keeps us from taking that first step. And it's so important and assets are sexy. And that's one of the things when I say I was at, you know, lucky to be educated at home. My parents, um, we had, they had businesses, we had rental real estate. I did not realize everybody didn't have the education to understand that cash flow from assets is what gives you your time back. And so that's my, has been my message now for, a long time. A long time. It is, you know, to buy, build, or create income-producing assets. That is the pathway to freedom. And understanding that assets include businesses, paper assets, stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, rental real estate, all right? Intellectual property, another one of my superpowers, helping people take what they know and turn that into income-producing assets. And when you start building assets in each of those categories, you make yourself recession-proof, which is really important today. Ooh, so I want to help people. And my, my second book in Rich Dad was Cashflow Quadrant, yeah. understanding our mindset. You know, we are trained through school to exchange time for money as an employee or self-employed individual, which is on the left side of the cashflow quadrant. And that's what keeps us in that rat race. Yes. Yeah. You know, help train people to move to the right side of the cash flow quarter, which is business owner and investor. And as you start building assets as a business owner and investor, you get your time back. So instead of spending your time for money, invest your time to buy, build, or create those assets. Yeah. And create those, you know, additional assets and be creating income <clears throat> while you're sleeping right? Mm -hmm. While you're sleeping. And, and, and I know that you also talk about passive and active, even on the uh, right side of the quadrant, right? For the business owner and the investor. And I think that's another thing that, um, and again, this is why I'm going back to purpose. When people start thinking purpose, they think so large. And we, if we pull it down a little bit more, they can achieve that purpose and that desire to make that mark in the world that they want to at a much lower level than, than they thought possible. And I think that the over it's too big for some people. And so they give up. So what do you say to people like that, that are, that are just saying, well, I have to be, have this active. There's no way I can put passive income. How do we, how do we have some active income on the right side and still be able to not be reaching for the stars, but rather reaching for the moon? 
Well, is you know, I, I this is one of my Sharonisms, but it's not what you do for your paycheck; it's what you do with your paycheck. Mm. And so, you don't have to quit your job, but pay attention to what how you're spending your your salary, and can you start reinvesting that in assets and allow your job to fund your passion? Yeah, um, start creating a business on the side that can grow and fund your passion. And so, the personal success equation that I share in the in the book Three Feet from Gold is about your passion and your talent. So, my passion was actually from anger that we weren't teaching kids about money in school, and my talent was way more years than I want to admit as a CPA and lots of experience in publishing. Mm-hmm. And so, most of us stop there thinking we have to do everything on our own, Jen. Yeah. But as you well know. The success is your passion, your talent, times the right associations, having the right people on your team, having the right partnerships, having the right strategic alliances, and then times A, taking action. How many times do we know what we're supposed to do? We just don't do it. And so that success formula, I added a plus F, which is faith and confidence. Faith in yourself, faith in what you're doing, faith that you will succeed. And too many of us, that F is fear. And so they never get to be able to do their passion because they're holding themselves back. Yeah. And oh so God. the issue is when I start working with a new client, it's usually the power of association and the faith that need the most work. Yeah. And they go hand in hand when you have the right people around you, you have the right mentor, you have the right people on your team. When you have a bad day, they won't let you go down. They keep your head above water. So passion and a power of association and having faith and confidence in yourself yeah. is how you really get to the point where then all of a sudden you have a fine tooled machine called a business that's successful, that can be sustainable and scalable, gives you your time back so you can refocus on your passion. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love that. And, you know, I was smiling while you were talking about it because every time you, you share with me this formula, I say, I've written this formula down like 12 times. Why am I not writing, looking at it every single day? I, I love the cash flow quadrants, the four quadrants. I talk about them all the time. I work in them. I focus on them, but I don't focus on that formula as much as I want to. And it's it's just ironic. And I was telling you in the green room, I'm doing a 12-week year right now. And part of the 12-week year is my associations and my partnerships, you know, putting them together. And I'm thankful somewhere deep down inside that Sharon world was, you know, was penetrating for me so that I was doing it unconsciously, right? Or subconsciously. So I love that you're saying, you're saying that. Um, so, you know, when you wrote, and one of the things, well, I want to go back to this first, and then we'll come to, tell us a little bit about how Rich Dad, Poor Dad came about and, you know, the cash flow quadrant, you know, the game, because the game's still out there. Right. And we all know about the rat race because that really started from what you and Robert created. So tell us a little bit about how that came to fruition. And it took you out of being a CPA into being, you know, the super motivator and mentor that you are now. Well, it was actually it started in 1992 when we moved to Arizona and our oldest son went off to college and got into credit card debt. So that was December of 92. He came home at Christmas time. We didn't even know he had a credit card. He got to campus and they had uh-huh. Free free t-shirt, free money, free pizza, free money. And he had a really good time his first semester in college. Yeah. And he came home in December, Christmas time, and asked us to bail him out, which we did not do. But um, that was 
I was really mad at him, but more mad at myself. And so that was December of 1992 when I dedicated. That's when I found my passion. I dedicated the rest of my career to financial literacy, financial education. I started working with school systems to try and get them to bring in financial education. My hair used to be red, since it's white if you ever work with school systems. But uh, fast forward a few years, my husband is a well-known intellectual property attorney. And he had this guy come into his office named Robert Kiyosaki and flip-flops and board shorts with this idea for a board game. And it was very consistent with what I was teaching. So he called me and I always tell this to a group of ladies. I said, my husband called me and said, I, man, I met a man today that has what you've been looking for. I was driving down the road going, okay, this sounds a little kinky. What are you talking about? <laughs> right. And um, so I met Robert at the very first beta test for the board game cash flow, And it was just drawn out in crayons on a piece of butcher block paper. The playing pieces were different caliber bullets. Great first impression. Right. But the, I was the only one that got out of the rat race during this beta test, but I loved it. I I love the fact that the essence of the game was very consistent with what I was teaching. And I volunteered to help them commercialize it because I had all the connections after having built the talking children's industry around the world. I had the manufacturing connections. And so we got the game commercialized um, and, and ready to go. But in the process, he told me he wanted to charge $200 for the board game. I thought, that's kind of pricey. We're talking 1996. Yeah, 1992, yeah. Yeah, yeah 96. And I said, all right, maybe you should write a brochure um, and that brochure could explain the philosophy and then people would encourage people to make that kind of an investment. And so he asked, that's when he asked me to become his partner. Until that time, I was just helping as a friend. And so I became his partner and helped him write that brochure. And that brochure was the original Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Most people don't understand that this was actually written as a marketing tool for the game. Yeah. <clears throat> so we just celebrated the 25th anniversary of Rich Dad in, in April. So I mean, that began a partnership. We were partners for 10 years and did 15 books together and grew it around the world. I was also the CEO of the company. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. And actually, before uh, this interview, I was running around the house trying to find my Rich Dad Poor Dad because my version is not as pretty as yours. Mine's all dog-eared and messed up. Oh, because I watch, I read it every year. Now, I, I live it every day, but it's one of the things that I do. It's one of the books that I read every year, go back in, learn something new about it. And it, um, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. Um, and it, here's, what's interesting about it. I want to we'll share this little thing with you. What's interesting about it is that my priest said, you know, I said, Oh, I'm so careful with my Bible, right? I don't want to hurt it. I don't want to highlight it. I want to do anything. And he goes, no, 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 no. You need to make the Bible as messy as possible because it shows the devil that you are are on one side and not the other, right? Yeah. And so the more messed up you can make it, right? It's so much better. And so it was funny when you uh, came out without witting the devil. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is perfect because now this is going to become my my new, you know, different type of Bible that I'm that I'm going to dog ear and and mess up and and everything. And I've already read it. I've already highlighted through it, but I but I haven't gone through it year after year. And I, you know, I I thought it was interesting. Um, and I still don't quite understand, but I'm going to ask you this question. Uh, when I asked you, I said, you know, look, of all the books you have, you know, besides Rich Dad, Poor Dad and, and you know, the Cashflow Quadrant and, you know, a few of those that I had, I said, of the books that you have published recently, you know, Exit Rich and um, Think and Grow Rich for Women and Outwitting the Devil, which one do you think I should read first? And you told me to read Outwitting the Devil first. And um, 
I thought it was pretty interesting. So uh, what I have learned from this book, uh, and of course, no, Napoleon Hill's like this anyway, is self-discipline. That's, and I've always had self-discipline, but I really had enjoyed reading this section and getting his insight on and your take on it, obviously. What did you learn from writing Outwitting the Devil? When you, when you, ha well, tell us the story. I know the story, but you tell the story of how this came to fruition, because this is pretty incredible. Well, thank you. Well, the, the original Think and Grow Rich was released in 1937, and it was a 25-year initiative by Napoleon Hill. And when we released it, it was frustrated because he said, even though I'm giving you this thesis for success, most people aren't going to take action. They're not going to do anything because fear is going to hold them back. Yeah. And so in 1938, he sat down and wrote the manuscript for Outwitting the Devil. His wife worked for the Presbyterian College, was terrified of the title and forbid it to be published. And so it got locked away for 72 years. And when we were, the month were released three feet from gold, Don Green called me and said, I have this manuscript. I don't know what to do with it. So he sent it to me. So I was probably only the fourth or fifth person to actually ever read it when he sent it to me. And I ran away to San Diego where I do most of my writing. And in just a few short hours, it just completely transformed my thinking and not just about for me, but for people that I work with, understanding the essence of what holds them back mm -hmm. and that fear and where it came from. You know, a lot of it was it happened when we were kids. And so once you can actually look and, and really dive into that fear, you can start releasing it. And it talks about seven steps to overcome that fear. And so I truly believe for the younger generation, it worked. It was incredible. It helps them open their eyes. And it's actually... I recommend they read Outwitting the Devil before they read Think and Grow Rich, because it really does speak to right. the essence of our internal um, issues related to not achieving the level of success we deserve. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and I think as I was reading it, it, it was funny because the title, right, I'm thinking, okay, is he going to, this is all going to be about spirituality, it's going to be about you know, all of those things. And I, and I got maybe 30% into the book and I went, oh, I'm the devil. I'm the one that I'm trying to outwit my, my thoughts, right. The things that hold me back, my limiting beliefs. And that's what I started realizing um, through the book. And that's when I had my aha moment and probably why self-discipline became that chapter became something really good is because I had already, you know, gone in it. I probably need to go back to the first 30% of the book and read it again so that I can capture all the great goodies that are in there as well. well for people who haven't read it, it's really, you know, when he wrote it, Napoleon Hill says, you can believe I spoke to the real devil or a man-made devil. The issue is, will you derive any benefit from what I share? And at the right. end of the day, it talks about that stinking thinking we have. Yes. That, you know, some, many times it happens when we were kids and we don't even realize it. Mm -hmm. But once you can start acknowledging that, you can start releasing the hold it has on you. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. I think this is a great gift for people. This in tandem with Think or Grow Rich, you know, and if you're a woman, Think or Grow Rich for women, <laughs> because you wrote that as well. I think that's, that's wonderful. Thanks for sharing that story. Cause I, I think that's a, you know, really good story. Um, and, and I, I'm hearing, you know, that fear and that faith coming out and the action coming out. And I I'm seeing where that formula, you know, starts becoming more and more uh, valuable that you're talking about the success formula. Um, you know, as you, and I know that you, um, you know, you still coach people, you still mentor people in, 
you know, money and, uh, you know, assets and just good thinking, right? The the thinking that we need to have um, in achieving your goals and not giving up and having that resilience and things like that. What do you think that is of all the things that you know of strategies for passive and active income and all the strategies to take action, to start changing things in your lives, what do you think is the number one strategy that's overlooked by most people that you talk to? Um, having a mentor and surrounding yourself with people who are equal or more successful than you are that challenge you. So we we still have been ingrained in thinking we have to do everything on our own. Mm-hmm. And that holds us back. Yeah. So opening your eye to the possibilities, putting yourself in a position of greatest and highest potential, having a mentor who's been where you want to go, surrounding yourself with people who are successful. It kind of gives you the energy to strive for a higher level. And most of the time is that in, in, in Outwitting the Devil talks about the power of your environment. And it's such an important issue. And I think that's a major one. Most, most people kind of hang out in their own silos. And so they don't, they don't, they put blinders on, they don't see what's available out in the world. So do you think that they do that out of ego and pride out of um, the fear of uh, opening themselves up and becoming vulnerable to the mistakes that they made, do you, uh, that they've made, or do you, and or do you think that uh, people choose not to have mentors because they feel like they have to be a, at a certain level of success before they can afford to have mentors? <laughs> kind of know the answer, but I was going to say I think all, like of the, all of the above. If this is a multiple choice question, it would be yes. eat all of the above. I think a lot of people are afraid to look like they don't know something. Yeah, and you know it was it was trained into us for a long time. Early on in my career as a speaker, I never wanted to be vulnerable on stage. Mm-hmm. In fact, I couldn't even say the word without tripping over my tongue. Um, you know, and the world has evolved, and in the last ten to fifteen years, the more vulnerable, the more um, authentic, the more transparent you are, the higher level of respect that you can achieve. And that's the, definitely a paradigm shift. But the people that resist getting a mentor, um, I don't, yes, some of them is because of arrogance, but I think a lot of them are just the fear of, of admitting they don't know something. Hmm. And they've been still trained in this thing of, I have to do it on my own. And that's what I want to break through that wall. Yeah. So let's talk about shiny object syndrome since you brought this up. Um, I always see shiny object syndrome as an acronym of SOS. <laughs> it's it's a cry for help. And I, I was uh, telling my husband this a couple of days ago, you know, I woke up in the middle of the night and I was like, you know what? It's shiny object syndrome to me is that SOS when we're thrown that life preserver, right? And we're not willing to learn how to swim or to be taught how to swim, but rather we just kind of sit in this little red and white life preserver is what I'm seeing. And as a boat comes out, we're like shiny object syndrome, give it to me. And we have another SOS, right? We have another preserver, but we never really make it to shore, right? We never really make it to where we want, we want to go. Um, tell us a little bit about that and, and what, from your perspective, all these books you've written, all this, this knowledge that you have behind us, why is it that we're looking for, people are looking for 
um, the magic bullet, right? The magic bullet, the one thing, the shiny object. Oh, that's it. That's what will make me successful. Instead of instead of getting a mentor and, and looking at people that are successful and are that much further up the mountain than you are and, and know the path, why is it that we just want all of the reasons, right? Or results, right? We want all the reasons not to get the results. Well, I think, you know, having that complex of shiny objects under my, I fall into that all the time. I think it's almost natural for a true entrepreneur because they're always looking for the next gig. And so the essence comes back to that power of association, having the right people on your team. Okay. I have a a VP of operations, Angela, and, you know, she's the one that brings me back to earth. Okay, Sharon, I'll I'll get a phone call. I'll go all excited about something. And she says, well, that does, does that change our priorities we set yesterday? Right. And so part of it is shiny object syndrome is part of creativity, excitement, looking at the opportunities and possibilities, but then you have to have the systems to analyze that, to say, how does this fit into our current priorities? Does this get us to where we wanna go quicker or is this changing the focus and direction of our mission? And so it's really important to have the right people on your team and the systems to help you analyze. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, I love that you said, you know, the systems, I get systems, I'm an engineer, right? I get systems, but does the system, you know, move the needle forward or does it turn us into a whole different direction. I think that's probably something that a lot of people don't think about. They say, it's going to move me forward. They don't even think about another alternative. It's Mm -hmm. just going to move me forward. So I'm in Mm -hmm. instead of, wait a minute, hold on. Is this a direction? You know, we talk a lot about, you know, um, not competing with other people, but competing with me, who I was yesterday. Mm -hmm. I love how you said, yesterday, what were we trying to do? And does this also apply to that? I think mm-hmm. that's really, really powerful um, in what you're in, in what you're you're saying. Um, my husband calls me a helium balloon and I'm his he's my string. Uh-huh. <laughs> he's the string to my helium balloon. That's what he calls me. Um, and, I, and I love that. Uh, okay. So let's talk um, about, as we're kind of finishing up our time here to get today, I just want, and, and again, I just want to say how honored I am that you're here with me and I can, you know, ask you the questions I've wanted to ask for so long. <laughs> um, I want to talk a little, I want to ask you what, what characteristic or attribute you feel uh, that you have that separates you from everyone else. And I know you've said resilience, but as you've progressed in your career, has that changed at all? And now you say, you know, in today's market, I think, you know, maybe it's integrity, maybe it's, you know, some other word, but um, what, what characteristic or attribute do you think that you possess that's made you much more successful than others? Well, I think it's a combination of obviously per- perseverance, but I think it's also compassion and grace. Um, you know, I could I could be um, much more egotistical, but mm-hmm. that's not who I am. So, mm-hmm. I believe in in help. Uh, you know, my greatest joy is helping other people succeed. Um, you know, one of the, my team put together. I do this exercise, and I think we actually might have talked about it when you were with us, but. Um, what do you want your magazine cover to say? Yeah. And so my team basically gave me one that says, Sharon Lecter, a legacy of creating legacies. 
And so for me, that that was such a gift and an honor to hear them say that to me. But it truly is true. I, my greatest joy is helping other people succeed. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And, um, and I can see that, you know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, as a, uh, entrepreneurial celebrity, right. Um, the people that, that we are surrounded with, and we've been in, in lots of stages together and lots of, you know, places together. I watch people. I'm very quiet. I might be an eye in the disc profile, <laughs> a very high eye. Like I love people and not paper. Uh, but I have a C that holds me down and that's the engineering and the systematic approach. And so I'm very calculated. And it's one thing that, you know, I noticed about you when I'm watching you kind of walk, walk into a room is, um, you know, others come in and they're like, I'm here, come see me. I'm here. And they're the loudest and they're, you know, and they're all about themselves. And, you know, you can be in a room for hours before anybody sees you and notices you. And you also, this is another credit to you as well, is there is not any other speaker that I've seen sit in the back of the room and listen to all the speakers. And you do that. You'll sit in the back of the room and you may have little side conversations, people come up to and whatever, but you're present. Mm -hmm. And I think present being present is, is huge. Any well, I think if you want to make an impact on the audience, you need to know what else is being said to them. And so I go, I, I, I mean, I learn from the other speakers. You never stop learning. But I also want to know what's being shared with the audience so that when I get up to speak to them, that I can Rock either, um, you know, be compatible with what's been talking about, underline what's been talking about, but let their experience, the experience of the person, the audience will be heightened if I know what's already been said so that I can um, elevate that. Yeah. And, and, you know, I hope you understand how powerful that is from an outsider looking in is that, uh, you know, there are so many that are just, you know, I'm here to do my thing. I get up on stage, I do my one hour thing, and then you can't even find me because mm -hmm. I'm just, you know, not available. And uh, you've always been available. You've always wanted to be there to help support people and, and have interest in what everyone's doing. So um, I just want to commend you for that. I want, I want you to clearly hear that from someone who, you know, wants to say it, I guess will be the only way for me to say it. Thank you. Thank um, you. And, you know, it's funny that you said, I'm always learning. That's one of the questions I was going to ask you. And I, and I net, like I told you, I only prepared like three questions, right? I'm making notes here on se separate things I want to do, but what are you learning now? You know, today it's a new market. We did, we're coming out of the pandemic as we're recording this. Um, there's a new market. We have inflation. Uh, well, maybe not some people's definition of inflation, right? But we have inflation coming out, uh, you know, that's here with us. We have uh, people wanting to reconnect with with people, but then there's, there's really just a push-pull that's going on right now. It's like, do I want to go, but I don't want to go. Maybe I should go, but I'm not. So what is, what is on the docket that you're learning to grow and expand your experiences in life? Well, I teach people all the time, stay curious, be creative, but always stay curious. Mm -hmm. And I challenge people with the, the phrase, when was the last time you did something for the first time? And mm -hmm. that's what keeps us young. It keeps us moving forward. It keeps mm -hmm. that creative juices flowing. But I think it's also important. I mean, you're if you are an authority in your field, you have a responsibility to maintain that level of authority. Mm -hmm. And so with everything's happening in the market, I'm constantly studying what's going on so that I can adjust the things that I'm saying that make it more relevant to what's happening today. So if you are a speaker, an author, an educator, it's your responsibility to stay on the top of your game.
Well, yeah. And I think even if you're a plumber or whatever you do, I think it's important. You're a therapist, a physical therapist. I think it's important for everyone to stay on top of their game. I, mm -hmm. I think, you know, learning is a constant thing. I know there's a few things that you are learning. So I'm going to ask the question a little differently, but you are learning some new things in, and some new investment strategies uh, in, in uh, your life and in your career right now. One is ULA. And mm -hmm. the other is you're working, you're starting to work more in NFTs can, and, ba you know, Coinbase and, and uh, I don't know why I'm having a hard time with the word. Uh, okay. <laughs> I am having a hard time with the word. It's not, well, cause you know, Coinbase. Digital, digital currencies. Yeah. Digital. <laughs> thank you. Digital. I think there's another word for it too, but yeah, I mean, in the digital currency, I was just trying to, you know, expand on the word cause I'm investing in, you know, ether, ether, whatever it's called and Bitcoin and stuff. So, you know, I know that you've got a lot of new learning that's going on in those arenas. Tell us a little bit about that so that we can share with everyone if they want to get involved with you. Well, the two primary areas that I've really gotten involved in, because most of my career, I've been solely an educator. Mm -hmm. um, and in the last couple of years, I got one of the companies that I mentored is ULA, which is a fantastic um, online specifically customized goal setting platform. And I just love it. I think it's fantastic. And it also allows people to bring other people into it and, and create a revenue stream. So not only is it helping you achieve your goals, but it's helping you create a new passive income stream. The other arena is eXp Realty, which is something that my husband joined because we yeah. saw it as a tremendous platform for people who are involved in real estate who want to get involved in real estate because it has multiple streams of income. Mm -hmm. And it has, you know, the company was designed to support real estate agents yeah. and it was designed with them in mind. And so it allows you not only to expand your business globally, you don't have to be in one general area like most companies, you can expand your business globally and you have the ability to bring other people into the network. And that's something that I think, um, and generate passive income streams there. So those are the two areas that we're really focusing on. Obviously, I'm still maintaining um, and educating myself on Bitcoin and digital currencies and all of that stuff and NFTs. But as I tell people, don't get involved in that if you don't take the time to really understand it. Don't put money into that that you need to eat. It's really important. Digital currencies are here to stay. There's no doubt about that. Um, but don't start risking money that you need. Let's get educated, put a little in there, watch it grow, continue educating yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really important. Um, you know, and you know, just so that everyone who's listening knows I am in ULA under Sharon. <laughs> so I'm, I'm part of that as well. And, uh, and I know you've had some beautiful success with it, both personal, you know, personally, uh, I know you and Michael have had, have really enjoyed, um, the, the health aspect of it. And I think that's, mm -hmm. that's really great for you. Um, uh, and I'm fortunately I'm not under you at EXP because I'm, I was already in EXP before you came into EXP when we were at, uh, you know, uh, 10X women. Right. I said, Oh, well, too bad. I'm already in it. Right. So, uh, you know, but I love EXP too. I'm in it for a different reason. Uh, you know, I think then perhaps you are, but, um, I think that that's what's so great about EXP is there's a lot of different modalities in there that you can explore. Um, and I and I think that's something to listen to as well. So we'll have your links in the show notes for EXP. We'll have your links for ULA. Is there anything that you would like to leave our audience with today? Well, thank you, Jen. And I appreciate the opportunity. And for all of you watching and listening, you know, we're here to support you. So reach out. I mean, so many times I say that to an audience, I'll give my personal email, 
Sharon, Sharon Lecter, and I don't hear from anybody because people don't take action. So yeah. go back to that personal success equation, go to personalsuccessequation.com. I have a free workbook, but to, to allow yourself to go through your passion, your talent, your associations, the actions, and having faith and confidence in yourself. Because that's why we do what we do, both Jen and I, is to serve you, to support you, achieving yourself and putting yourself in that position of greatest potential. So above everything else, take action, one step each day. I love it. I love it. Sharon, as we leave, the last question I have is what is a mantra or a quote that you live by that touches your heart? It's why not. It's also the second one is I was raised by a father who asked me every night, Sharon, have you added value to someone's life today? Mm -hmm. I still ask my, he's been gone 16 years, but I still ask myself that every night. Have I added value to someone's life today? Ah, that's beautiful. That's absolutely beautiful. Well, thank you. It's been an absolute honor. I really appreciate you taking time to share all of your wisdom with us. And we will have all of the links that that Sharon has just mentioned. So if you didn't get a chance to write it down, don't worry. I was writing it down (laughs) to make sure that I have all of the links as well. Uh, You are, like I said, an iconic woman leader. Um, in this world. And I look up to you and I hope you know that I do. I mean, coming from financial services industry, that that commonality is there for me. And, and I can just uh, see me in you or you in me. One of the ways, right? One of the ways as I continue to to have my growth in this world. And, and I hope that everyone who's listened here today has taken several nuggets from you. I know I have, again, taken several nuggets from you. So thank you for joining us. Thank you, Jen. Thank you. So everyone, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day. Please take just a quick few minutes to just scroll down on your phone and give us a great five-star rating and write some beautiful comments about Sharon so that I can share them with her. This is about taking action, right? Taking action, but making some great comments. And don't forget to subscribe on YouTube to my channel so that you can watch us as well. So thank you again for joining us today. And we will catch you next time on Success to Significance. You've been listening to Success to Significance with Jen Duplessis, the number one podcast for people wanting to give more value and make an impact. Loved this episode? Be sure to subscribe right now at www.jenduplessis.com S2S for more stories, strategies, and thoughts to help you gain significance and success. And if you like what we're doing, don't forget to give us a rating and review so we can continue to bring you the best content possible. Join us next week for another breakthrough episode. Thank you for listening.